Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. Sunday with what has been labeled the triumphal entry. So I want us to look this morning at Matthew chapter 21 and the passage of scripture that, um, you know, explains or, or uh, gives us that section there uh, of this week and what happens there. But let's pray and then we'll get into it. Father, thanks so much for your goodness and your grace towards us uh, for the reminder today and this week that uh, you are with us, that you are present, that, that you are involved and engaged in our lives, and uh, that you are close, near at hand, that you're not far away. I uh, pray that everyone here, uh, as well as uh, our families and friends and, and those that we, uh, that we know would be, uh, feel close to you, be touched by you this week. Your name we pray, Amen. All right, um, Matthew chapter twenty-one. I'm going to begin at uh, verse one and then read down through. I think about verse nine. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, "Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her." Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I just realized why I don't read publicly from this Bible very often anymore. It's tiny, tiny little letters. My gosh. I always read the screen. I thought I'll just read there, but man, he, I, it's up close. 1861, Charles Dickens wrote one of his um, better-known works. It's called Great Expectations. I thought that would be a, uh, a good title. I stole Dickens' title for our message this morning, Great Expectations. This passage, this, this, uh, this moment in the life of Jesus as well as those around him is filled with expectation. Uh, There's joy, there's hope, there's uh, this sense that God's going to do something great for us. Even the title, I mean, it's not in Scripture, but we've kind of called this, and I think uh, in the Bible the little subsection says, the triumphal entry. Uh, 
it, it's hard to imagine in the midst of all of that going on and the people shouting and waving their branches and all that, all this celebration, Jesus is the only one who knows what's really about to happen. Uh, he, he knows where this is going. Uh, everyone else has a different set of expectations. In, uh, in Israel's annual calendar, there were three feasts that were celebrated. Uh, the, the one that's about to be celebrated here, the reason people are coming into Jerusalem is Passover. Passover was the biggest. Um, people from all over would travel uh, and come to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. So the, if you look up in, your, in the back of your Bible, there's probably, if you, there's a, a, a chart of the temple, or you can look up online, there's different images and pictures of the temple and the temple courts. It was a massive area. Huge, huge uh, figure, uh, like 15 football fields, the temple and the surrounding courts. Uh, and at Passover, it would be filled with people. Uh, all the people would come to Jerusalem. The population would grow to four or five times the norm. Uh, I was thinking about just the traffic alone. Um, it's kind of like a fall Saturday. I don't know if you've ever tried to get on I-5 going south on a day when Oregon State and U of O both have home games. But it's just like terrible. But I just think that had to be what this was like. People just, just flocking to Jerusalem for Passover. Um, they were coming, of course, to worship. And part of their worship was to offer sacrifices. So not only were there a lot of people, there were a lot of animals, right? You think about that. Uh, doves, goats, sheep, lambs. Uh, I read a thing this week. One scholar estimated that uh, in Jerusalem over Passover, there could have been as many as 250,000 sacrifices. I thought, man, that's a lot of blood. You know what I mean? Uh, so, so it was a very, very busy place. There was a lot happening. Uh, the, the Passover was a tradition that dates back to the beginning of Israel's history in the Old Testament book of Exodus. We know Israelites were being held captive in Egypt. Uh, God devised a plan to set them free. He said he would send uh, an avenging angel that would actually come and destroy the Egyptians, but he instructed the Israelites to sacrifice an animal and to smear the blood of that sacrifice over the doorpost of their home. And when the angel of the Lord saw the blood there, he would know that that, was, that house was protected and he would pass over it. That's where the name Passover comes from. And that's where the tradition of sacrifice at Passover began. So now, here we are, not here, but in the scripture, 1,300 years after that, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem um, People are looking back over their history at the tradition that uh, they had and what God had done for them in the past, but they're also looking forward with expectation for what God is going to do for them in the future. So this is a, a big celebration. It's, it's very historical as well as, you know, looking forward all at one time. And Jesus comes into Jerusalem uh, in the midst of all this on a uh, 
pilfered donkey. Uh, and the, the Israelites at this moment are again enslaved. They, they are under this time now Roman oppression, not Egyptian oppression, but Roman oppression. And, and they're, they're believing that this is the moment for deliverance, that again, God is going to set his people free. Uh, if you look at Zechariah 4, beep, beep. Did it freeze up? What? Try the next, just go to the next one. See what it is. This took place to fulfill, oh, I I didn't put the text reference on there, my bad. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. So the prophet is Zechariah. And so 500 years earlier, he had prophesied this day, the coming of the Lord, and it was one of a number of messianic prophecies all through the Old Testament. People were looking forward. There was this, I don't know if you've ever had a, a prophetic word like that, and then you're waiting, you're waiting, waiting for it to happen, to come to pass, and there's a hope and an expectation, a belief in your heart. So just picture that happening for 500 years. People had been waiting for this word of the Lord to come, that they would be delivered. So all of that is what's happening sort of in the air as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. They're waiting for a deliverer. This is the moment. The, 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 the prophets uh, spoke this word of hope, and now it was going to happen. Uh, I think of uh, at Christmas time, we sing that Christmas carol, uh, the hopes and fears of all the years, of all the years. There are 500 years of waiting and hoping. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Jesus is coming in to fulfill all of that history and do all that people have uh, expected him to do. So you can just imagine the level of expectation, the, the level of just, this is the moment that we've been waiting for. In, in a, a way, a similar way that, that Israel waited then for uh, Jesus to do something. I think the church waits today. We have an expectation in our hearts as well that God is going to move and God is going to do something. God is going to um, set people free. He's going to make things right that are wrong. He's going to balance the scales of justice. And in the midst of that, each of us waits as well. Uh, we trust him uh, not only collectively, but individually with our own hopes and with our own fears. And, and each of us has those things. What, what do you think about? What do you hope for? What do you wait on? I, I don't know, you know, it's, it's interesting as you, uh, you, you know, progress in life. Some of you may not be there yet, but some of us are at an age where you, you're thinking about as you get older and older, what does the future have for me? What's next? Um, you 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 think about you know growing old about being alone about um sickness is you know you, you we uh recent years i've had a couple friends people i went to school with have passed away and i i go okay so what is you know what does that mean how does that work for me for us when you're when you're young you don't think about stuff like that as you get older you think about it you think about the future you think about your own mistakes and your own sins and sometimes have regret over those things 
We have fears. All of us have fears inside of us. The last couple of years has been crazy. Um, we've, we, we've lived through it. Woo-hoo. Lived through a pandemic that's unprecedented in any of our lifetimes. Uh, you know, we've lived through considerable political unrest. And I've said before, I think what's happened over the last few years, you know, I mean, I grew up in the seventies and there was a lot of, of, uh, protests and things happening then, but I don't remember it being quite like it has been recently. Uh, and, you know, and then we live here and sort of Portland sort of became the national epicenter for protest in the last few years. And there's a lot going on and a lot of fear. People become isolated and they become separated and alone. You're kind of, you know, you get this thing. I don't know about you, but over the last, you know, through the whole pandemic, you, you just sort of, you, you shut down your home and I, you don't go out. You don't do much. You don't, you, your normal rhythm, your normal routine, your normal patterns all get out of whack. So you kind of go, what's next? What's, what's happening in the midst of all this? And the question comes up, is Jesus the fulfillment to the hopes I have in my heart? So as Israel waited, the church waits and we wait. This, this text on one level is really a statement about how God fulfills his purpose, okay? Because God could have snapped his fingers, spoken a word, and set the people free. He'd done it before. Uh, God spoke a word, and the whole world was created. But he didn't do that this time. Instead, he sends Jesus into all the mess, Things were a mess, and he sends Jesus right into the center of it. And I think that's the hope and the expectation we have today. Despite everything going on in the world around us, Jesus is there in the middle of it with us. I just think that's something to hang on to. No matter what you're experiencing today, what the fears in your heart are, just know and trust Jesus is there with it in you. Verse 5 says, your king comes to you gentle, uh, the word that we have translated there as gentle is, is, uh, also translated at different places as humble and sometimes as meek. The Hebrew word, if you could go, there it is, ani. Uh, and it, and it really means poor or afflicted is, is the most, uh, direct translation. So when it says that he, you know, your king comes to you gentle, it really means he comes to you poor, he comes to you afflicted. I mean, he really was, he was riding on a borrowed donkey. There, there, Jesus was poor and afflicted. He understands the things that are common to you and I. Uh, he was very much one of us. He was not someone different than us. That was God's plan, to send someone that we could identify with. Uh, growing up, John Wimber used to teach this passage, and he would sometimes share from the perspective of the donkey. And, you know, the donkey doesn't know who's on his back. He's just doing his job, right? This is what, this is what I do. I carry guys around. And so he's coming into town just doing his job and people are shouting and cheering and waving and yay. And the donkey's going about time, about time. That's right. Now they get it. That's right. We bad. I know who I am. But I think sometimes we can be a little bit like that donkey. We don't always 
recognize that we have the king with us. We walk through the trials and circumstances of life and we lose touch with the reality that Jesus is really with us. He wants so much to engage with us, so much to involve us in the process of his his kingdom and his ministry and his work in the world around us today. Uh, he wants us to be a part of that. I think this this text is also an example of how how far God is willing to go to get up close and personal in our lives. Uh, he he wants our involvement. God wants our involvement, our connection. Um, John also used to uh, compare us to the donkey in another way, and that was that you know Jesus tells his disciples to go effectively steal. I mean, you know this donkey, and uh, he his 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 sort of uh, explanation for that. What, you know, they're like, what, you know, we can't, we, what if they say something? And he said, well, just tell them the Lord has need of it. And that'll, that'll get you by. That'll take care of it. And, and John would say this, well, it, it's the same of us, you and I, God has need of us. He has need of us. I, I want to, you know, encourage us today to make ourselves, make yourself available. Make yourself available. Sometimes I have found the disruptions in life are really the plan. We might see something as a disruption, and it becomes an opportunity for God to engage us in what he's doing. And so sometimes, very often, I think, the disruption is really the plan. We like to say everybody gets to play, and that's a statement that everyone can be involved, but the reality is this. Uh, to play, you got to get in the game. We have to be available. We have to be willing. We have to say, I'll, I'll participate. I think on another level, this story is a challenge to our expectations. Uh, the people are shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That phrase that they're shouting, obviously, uh, predates this experience. It comes from the Psalms. If you go to Psalm 118 for me. Lord, save us. Grant, Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. So the people were shouting this reference to Psalm 118. Again, tremendous expectation in their hearts for what God was about to do. But what were they expecting God to do? They were expecting God to conquer. They thought, he's going to take over. He's going to oust the evil Romans and reestablish us as, as, as his rightful people in their rightful place here and now. They were waving these palm branches. The palm branches were a national symbol if you think of it like this, 4th of July prayed, okay, and everybody's celebrating and they're all waving their American flags. That's sort of the scene. That's what's happening. There's an expectation, excitement. There's this, this celebration of Israel being restored to who they are. These palm branches were their symbol of victory, their symbol of freedom. And in the midst of all that, Jesus is very intentional, okay, because uh, a, a king, a victorious king, would would have ridden in on a war horse, a big black one, and he would have had a sword. 
and he would have looked powerful. But Jesus doesn't do that. He comes on a donkey. Zechariah 9 says, your king comes lowly, riding on a donkey. And then verse 10 says, he will proclaim peace to the nations. So Jesus did not do what they expected him to do, and he did not do anything in the way that they expected him to do it. All of their expectations went unmet, and there was a tremendous amount of initial disappointment in that. Sometimes God doesn't meet our expectations. He doesn't do what we think he's going to do, and it can leave us with a sense of disappointment. But the reality is he has more at heart and, and more in his heart that he wants to do that's, that's very likely very different and maybe greater than what we see. There's a passage, I, it's one of my favorite passages, um, at the end of the Gospel of Luke. It's uh, Easter Sunday, but it's later in the day. So the gals had already gone to the tomb and come back and shared, hey, he's not there. And there was a lot of confusion initially. The disciples were not sure what was going on at this moment in time, and they kind of scattered. And in this particular passage in Luke, two of them are walking on this road to Emmaus, and they're talking about what's been going on and what's happened and what hadn't happened. And, and they're, they're confused and they're concerned. And Jesus shows up, and he's walking with them, but he's, he's incognito. They don't recognize him. I think he had one of those glasses with the nose and the mustache on, you know? And so he, he comes up, and he's walking along with them. And he goes, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they're like, how do you not know? Are you the only person in all of Jerusalem that doesn't know what's happened? And, and then they tell him. They tell him the, the whole story of, of what Jesus had done. And, and then, then he, we thought he was going to do this and that. And then he was crucified. And now we don't know. And then they say this. We had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. That was our hope. We thought he was the one that was going to save us and, and make everything right, but apparently he wasn't. We had hoped that. Their expectations were unmet. Now, of course, you and I know the end of the story. And, and we, we know that Jesus did something far greater than what they had expected. They, they believed that Jesus would deliver Israel from Roman oppression. Jesus said, what I have in my heart to do is deliver all people for all time from all oppression. It's, it's not isolated and limited to what's going on in your lives right now. It's for everyone. I, I, I want to deliver all people from the oppression of sin the oppression of sickness, the oppression of injustice, the oppression of evil. See, we don't always see that. Sometimes we have something in our heart that we hope God will do, and it seems as though God hasn't done that. And that can be really hard. You know, yeah, we know the end of the story, but that doesn't mean that today it doesn't hurt that today we don't have to walk through some of those challenges. When Jesus 
rides into Jerusalem on this donkey, we realize he knows. He knows our doubts. He knows our, knows our fears. He knows the anxiety we feel. He has been through it all, and, and he understands, and he's present with us. And, and what I want to do just to close this morning, if uh, maybe, I don't know, Steph or Cindy or somebody would come back and join me, maybe both of you, I don't know. Um, I want to pray for some of us. I, I really, this week, as I was preparing and thinking about today, had the sense that there are there are unmet expectations, that some of us have had things that we believed God was going to do and it didn't happen, and maybe it didn't happen when we thought or the way we thought or whatever, and we're kind of left hanging. And so I'm just going to ask you guys to stand and, and uh, we'll worship a little bit, but I, I want to just pray for some of you. I want to pray that God would begin to touch your heart. And then if we have, uh, if I could have a couple worship team folks go to the sides of the room, and then if you would like personal prayer, you can go and, and meet with one of them and they'll pray with you as well. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. 